Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray of the continued effect of your Holy Spirit on us during this time. We thank you for this word that you've given us, that you anointed and inspired these writers to write down for us. We thank you that one of them wrote down that this word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray today that our hearts would be open and receptive to hearing the voice of your Holy Spirit and that you would minister to us today through your word. You'd give me the words to say that would be anointed by your spirit and that would produce life in each one of us. And I pray in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can you hear me okay, Dixie? All right. Hallelujah. Today we're, we're doing the second part and the final part of this little series we're calling Navigating This Dual Citizenship. I cannot, I don't think you would expect me to go back and redo last week's. It is available on the audio podcast. It is available on the YouTube channel. It is still available on the Facebook page. So one of those places you can find the message from last week, navigating this dual citizenship. Today, with our eyes on our heavenly place of citizenship, we're going to examine our role as earthly citizens. And there's a key there that while we're examining our role as earthly citizens, we never take our eyes off of our place of heavenly citizenship. The Apostle Paul wrote that it was better for him to stay on earth than to go, go on ahead to heaven. It was better for him to stay than to go. He wanted to go, but he said it's better to stay. Why was it better for him to stay? He still had an assignment. He still had an assignment that God had for him to do on the earth. As a matter of fact, he said in the letter, my assignment is you. It's better. You and I, because we're sitting here today breathing. If you're not breathing, let me know. Uh, if you're sitting here today or watching at home and you're breathing, you have an assignment. You may not be, you know, you may, a lot of times when we think of getting an assignment from God, we think of this huge thing. We think we're going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm not sure there's ever going to be another Billy Graham, but anyway, that's another topic. But what about, it doesn't have to be that big. You've got an assignment. I read this last week. I'll read it again today because it applies. Vance Havner wrote, if you are a Christian, you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of heaven trying to live in this world. And this is where we are. We are Christians. We're going to go to heaven. Our membership, our citizenship is in heaven. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We belong there. We belong there. We're sojourners. We're foreigners on the earth. But we're here. <laughs> we're still here. And if God was only interested in getting us out of here, we would be gone. But there's a reason. 
Last week we dealt mostly in review with seeking first his kingdom. We dealt most of our time last week was talking about the kingdom of God and seeking it first. And Jesus said in speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Do not worry about your life, but seek first his kingdom. That doesn't, he didn't say don't care about your life. He listed some things, clothing and food and some things that, that we might worry about. And none of those things are unimportant. A lot of those things are necessary, but he said seek first the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ and his righteousness in your life first and foremost. Our being good earthly citizens is derived from our primary citizenship in the heavenly kingdom. What makes us valuable here is our citizenship there. Without being citizens of heaven, in many ways, don't take this the wrong way, we're really and truly useless here. Or at least we're no more useful than anybody else here. Uh, Again, last week I gave you this from John Frame, but I'm going to give it again this week. In the modern world then, each Christian is a citizen of two nations, an earthly nation like the USA and the heavenly nation not of this world. Remember Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Though we belong entirely to Christ, we do not on that account renounce our citizenship in the earthly nations any more than we leave our earthly families. Indeed, we seek to be good citizens for those earthly nations themselves and their rulers received their authority from God. So we are heavenly citizens, we're earthly residents, but we're also citizens of wherever, you know, I think I just wrote the... Kernels of Truth, which I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. The title of this month's Kernels of Truth is Navigating This Dual Citizenship. And I said in that letter that uh, in, in February the 25th, 1955, I was born in Bay Memorial Hospital in Bay County, Florida. The minute I took my first breath, I was a citizen of the United States of America, of Bay County, and of Panama City, Florida. I had nothing to do with it. I also had no idea that I was a citizen, but I was. And the day that I was born from above by the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit transferred me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's light, on that day, I became a citizen of heaven. My name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And from that day forward, supposedly, that kingdom takes precedence over this kingdom, but this kingdom on the earth is not null and void. And that's where we are. Turn with me to Jeremiah 29. We're going to read just the first nine verses of Jeremiah. We're going to get a clue as to how God feels about us being here. Still being here. And if you would uh, stand while I read the first nine verses, and I'm reading again from the English Standard Version. It goes like this. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders 
of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken in the exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan and Jemariah. I don't guess they had anybody named Bubba back then. (laughs) The son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, thus says, this is the letter, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles, watch this, whom I have sent into exile. Sometimes we're asking God to deliver us from somewhere that he sent us. From Jerusalem to Babylon, here's what he told them to do. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. You can be seated. He said, don't listen to them. They're lying to you. You don't have to go any further back than 28.3. And it says, within uh, Hananiah is prophesying, within two years, I'll bring you back to this place. God said 70 years. The prophet said two years. How many of you know that we have people who have always prophesied to us that Jesus is coming back tonight, and so you don't need to... I've heard people say, run up a bunch of debt. I have heard people legitimately say, run up a bunch of debt. Jesus is coming back and none of that will matter then. And people who followed that advice got into big trouble. They had the same problem here. God had said, I'm sending you to Babylon and I'm sending you for 70 years. And if the, the guy that said two years, don't listen to him. As a matter of fact, uh, it got a little worse. For him, in verse 15 of 28, Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. I want to tell you that everybody who comes to you and says, Thus saith the Lord, has not been sent by God. And you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, behold, I'll remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die, because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord or 17, in that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. So it's a, it's a precarious and dangerous thing to be a false prophet. He said, seek the peace of the city. The word there for welfare in the English Standard Version is the word that we're, most of us are familiar with, and it's shalom. It's not just peace in the sense of absence of conflict, but it's wellness, it's completeness in God. Seek that, he said. Build houses. Now, here's what God is saying to the children of Israel. Build houses. 
You're going to be here a while. You're going to be here 70 years, build houses and live in those houses. Uh, plant gardens and eat the fruit of those gardens because you're going to be here. Marry and have children. Find spouses for your children. And he said, increase there. Now he's talking to God's people who are living in Babylon. And that's not God's community necessarily. The ground was, but the community was not. And he's saying, you're there, live there. Build houses. And then he says, seek the shalom of that city. You and I, in many ways, follow the same pattern. We are living in a society that is not necessarily a godly society. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's totally godless, but it's getting there quicker every day, it seems. We're living in a, in a society that is not governed by the kingdom of God. Our forefathers, our founding fathers, founded this country on the notion, most all of our laws, almost of our laws and our constitution, is written with this in mind. If men were angels, we would not need laws. But men are not angels. They're sinners. And that's almost a direct quote from James Madison when they founded this country. And they the, the laws they put into effect in the Constitution was because we're sinners, because we're flawed and we're capable of anything. Here we go with a civics lesson. Just a little bit of that snake. The point I want to make to us today that God is saying to God's people, you're in the midst of a foreign land. You and I are. Here's what I want you to do. Occupy. Communicate. Take part in commerce. Build houses. Take up your residence and seek the welfare. Seek the, the peace of that city where you live, where you live. He said, because if you do that, the peace and the shalom that comes to that city, you will enjoy. And so he's telling us today, live as citizens, live as citizens. Philippians one twenty seven, in the Christian standard Bible says this, just one thing as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ as citizens, good earthly citizens. We are first and foremost members of the kingdom of heaven, but we are here on behalf of the kingdom of heaven and that we should be good citizens while we're here on the earth. Wherever that means, you know, we live in America. If someone lives in England or Australia or wherever, it the same applies in their particular situation. And he tells us to be good earthly citizens, but not to be conformed to the, to the world. Not to be conformed to the society we live in, but to be an example to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12. Paul writes this to the church at Colossae, and whatever, everybody say whatever. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do you think that sums it up? Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever, whatever you do in word or deed. 
He goes on to say, slaves, and don't let that bother you, I'll come back to it, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, but not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord, whatever, everybody say whatever again. Somebody, I figured somebody would say whatever again, but okay. Whatever you do, do it from the heart. As something done for the Lord and not for people. You could also say wherever. Wherever you do whatever. Whatever you do, where does, where does that take place? Where does the whatever take place? On the earth. I mean, I, I know that's awful simple, but we get heavenly minded and we don't think about that. We think about the, the, or the, the verses that we read. Where do we apply those verses? Right here in the society in which we live. Whatever you do. Whether you go to work. Whether you do recreation. Whether you enjoy time with the next door neighbor. Whether you worship God on Sunday morning or whenever. Whatever you do. You do it as unto the Lord. You do it with all your heart. Now let's talk about this. Don't let the word slaves throw you. This is not. The slaves that we saw in the series Roots. And some of you say, what's a root? This is not slavery as we understand that took place uh, around the Civil War. This is, as a matter of fact, when you read those words in, in Paul's letters, if you'll take the word slave and convert it to employee, you're a lot closer to the truth. If you take the words masters and in, convert that into employers. Now we're in, we're in the arena of what Paul is talking about. There were varying reasons why you would be connected to someone, but it wasn't that they that they captured you from Africa and, and put chains on you. It was a whole different atmosphere. So we're talking about employers. We're talking about employees, and then you see the words whatever you do, whatever you do. Whatever you do while you're on the earth, whatever you do as a citizens, citizen of the United States, whatever you do in the community in which you live, whatever you do on the job, the vocation that God has given you, don't think your vocation is secular and your life is sacred. Your life is your life. Don't issue a dichotomy into your life, whereas you see this part of it as, as uh, has nothing to do with God. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, you need to keep that on Sunday morning. No, you don't. You, you need, you need the kingdom of God involved in your life seven days a week, whatever you're doing. Say, whatever? Whatever you're doing. The most godly thing and the most kingdom thing you can do is go to work on Monday morning and be a good employee that your employer wants more like you. Don't think of it as unspiritual. I've heard people say, well, I should be glad when I can get away from this secular job so I can do something for God. And I said to a friend of mine one time, I said, well, you're missing out on something. He said, what? I said, how about doing something for God where you are now? At your job. J-O-B. Joseph participated. He didn't want to. Joseph got sold into slavery. He went to Egypt. He became part of Potiphar's world. Uh... And the Bible says all that he, Potiphar, had, he put under Joseph's authority. All that he had. So here's a, here's a Jewish man, God's man, 
in a godless culture, Egyptian godless culture. That's changed, by the way. People keep asking me what's going in next door. There's an Egyptian church going in next door, Coptic Christians. They are Christians. Don't let anybody tell you any different. They're different from us, but they're, they are Christian people going over here, building these buildings. But in this case, Egypt was not a God, a God filled society. And yet here was Joseph in the middle of it. And we know from Joseph's own words that he recognized that God put him there. So you think God had him sold into slavery? He said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God turned it into good. God got me here. So he, Potiphar puts him in charge of everything under his authority until, until Potiphar's wife got a little, she, she wanted more than just, anyway, uh, she lied about Joseph and he got put in jail. You know, there's a long story there. He got back out of jail. And then Pharaoh, Potiphar's boss, Pharaoh's, it says, you shall be in charge of my house. Here's God's man in charge of Pharaoh's house. And we know Pharaoh, no matter which one you're talking about, was not a godly man, was not a godly society. And yet here's Joseph participating in that. It says, the Bible says that he gave Joseph a signet ring, which was like giving him his signature. The Bible says that they gave him fine clothing and a gold chain around it. I don't know if it was a Mr. T starter kit or not, but it was a gold chain around his neck. And the Bible says that he would ride in the second chariot. Of course, we know that Pharaoh would be in the first chariot. This is God's man, God's kingdom man, in a godless society. And yet God said, here's what I, here's what I want you to do. I have put you here, and you're going to be the governor of all this. And then he says, Pharaoh said, the Bible says that Pharaoh set him, set Joseph, over all, everybody say all, the land of Egypt. It even goes on to say everything he's told all the other people, everything he says, you do it. Don't even have to come ask me. You just do what he said. Now, I know some of you, at your place of employment, you almost have that kind of authority. You're such a faithful and diligent employee to your to employer, your company, that they're almost willing to give you that kind of authority. Whatever he says, you just do it because they trust you. Why do they trust you? Because you're a kingdom of God citizen, bringing the kingdom of God to the earth in your place of employment. Paul, now here's here's a little, if you say, well, what are we supposed to do? By the way, let me just insert this in here. There comes a time when, as a citizen of the United States, as a citizen of, our, of the state of Tennessee, and you can carry that as far as you want to, there comes a time, hopefully not that often, but there comes a time when we say, we say to the, those who are staring us in the face, we ought to obey God rather than men. The apostles had to do that because they were being asked to do something that violated their conviction and violated God. Let's not use that as a crutch. 
Let's not believe that that's always, that's most of the time. No, that's rare. But Paul was interesting. Paul maintained Roman citizenship. And when he needed it, he appealed to it. The the government was trying to to give him a him and his cohorts a quiet release. They wanted to just kind of slip him out the back door, pretend he never was in their jail. We don't want to stir up all the bloggers. We don't want Twitter going crazy because of this. Paul would have none of it. I like Paul. Paul said this: They have beaten us publicly uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And they've thrown us into prison, and do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. He called, He appealed to his citizenship, and sometimes we need to do that. Uh, on another occasion, uh, there was a potential flogging. They wanted to flog Paul. And he says this, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? I am a citizen by birth. I'm going to tell you one thing that tyrants in our government do not like, and that's people who know the law. And know what it means to be a citizen. I'm not telling you to go out here and start some protest. I'm not telling you that at all. But I'm telling you there are times when the, when the public has to stand up and say, no, you're not going to slip me out the back quietly. Right. I remember, I don't remember what year it was. I want to say 2000, but I remember we had a, a, uh, <clears throat> we had a governor at that time who, um, anyway, who wanted to raise, have an income tax in the state of Tennessee. And, uh, no, you know, majority of the people did not want one. And so the late, I hate to even say that, but the late Phil Valentine began this kind of a protest, this campaign, and thousands of people went down to the Capitol. They didn't cause any trouble. They didn't fight. They didn't break things. They just went down to the Capitol. And they were marching and protesting, and they were basically saying, we don't want a state income tax. Do y'all have a state income tax today? I don't either. Well, sometimes you have to appeal to your citizenship. Now, you couldn't go down there and say, hey, I'm a I'm a, a member of the kingdom of heaven, and I'm here to say, well, I mean, you that's true, but they're not going to understand that. But if Paul, Paul didn't do that. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do this. Here comes that little rattlesnake. Like I told you last week, how you handle a rattlesnake is very carefully. <laughs> so if we're going to live as citizens, if we're going to be citizens, it's important that we know who we are. It's very important that we participate in the process. We must be ambassadors of Christ in the earth with a message. You are ambassadors of Christ. You are here on behalf of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians. He has committed 
the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You and I have an assignment. Our assignments may vary in the, in the micro, but in the macro, all of us are ambassadors of Jesus Christ wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we play, whatever be the case. We are his ambassadors in the earth because we are citizens here. So what should we be doing to be a part of the process? You hadn't got enough time for me to tell you all that. Neither do I, but you'd be gone if I tried. Well, top of the list is praying. Now, we've quoted this scripture many times. Go to 1 Timothy 2, and I don't often do this to you, but I don't think it's a bad thing to ask you to look at scripture. If it is, you're in the wrong church. 1 Timothy 2, first of all, then I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And then he gets specific for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I must say to us today that I hear a lot of wrangling. I hear a lot of complaining. I hear a lot of, of, um, get people getting excited about what's going on in our world. And a lot of what I see, a big bunch of what I see going on in our world concerns me. But the question we have to ask is how many of us are praying for those in leadership? And you know it's oh me. We have to say oh me because we don't do enough of it. But we, we begin to participate as citizens in this community, as citizens in this state, and as citizens of this country. We begin our participation with praying for those who are in authority, for those who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that we would call their names before God, not just those you agree with, and I'm not saying that you should pray for God to kill them. I'm saying pray for God. <laughs> Let God deal with that. You pray for wisdom. The New Living Translation says it this way. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. It doesn't mean you have to spend five hours a day doing this. Just call their names before God. There are churches, and maybe we've done it in the past, there are churches who do it every service, pray for those in authority. Once we got past that, then, then it's important that while we live as citizens of this community, that we would be a good neighbor. Now I'm talking about State Farm. I'm talking about us. Matthew 5, which again is uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5.43, Jesus is speaking. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, how many of you, when you're reading, do you skip over that verse? Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. 
For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Even Jesus is dog and tax collectors. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles or the pagans do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love and bless your enemies. (laughs) It doesn't matter if they have an R or a D or an I after their name. If we'd listened to George Washington, we'd have none of that. We wouldn't have political parties. But we didn't. Here we are. Love and bless your enemies. Do good to them, Jesus said. And Jesus gets to meddling sometimes, doesn't he? He just, I mean, he doesn't understand being persecuted and people coming against him. He doesn't understand that. We don't understand being crucified on a cross. Do good to them. And then he, here he goes again. Pray for them. Now, how am I supposed to pray for them when they're not voting the way I want them to vote? You pray for them regardless. Especially the ones that are persecuting you. Why? That you may be the sons and daughters of your father. Do you think God has enemies? You were his enemy at one time. Well, I was never God's enemy. Well, the Bible says that you were once at enmity with God. That means you were his enemy. And God, guess what he did while you were his enemy? Jesus died for you while you were still sinners. He didn't wait for you to act like he was going to, as I like to quote Andy Griffith, to act like somebody. He didn't wait for that. He died for you regardless because you were his enemy. You'll be sons of the Father because you'll be like God. He said in verse 47, if you greet only your brothers, and the the word there is really the word friends. If you greet only your friends or you only give favor to your friends, you only bless your friends, you only pray for your friends, Well, my goodness, the pagans do that. You hadn't done anything. And this, an interesting, be perfect. We we often don't read that verse or that, that command in context. What is he saying? He's saying instead of loving only those who love us, we are to be like the Father in also loving those who do not love us. That's where he's saying be perfect. And the word is teleos. Be complete. Be complete. Be like God. And love those who don't love you. I know y'all want me to quit. And we're called, if we're going to participate in the process of this culture, of this society, as residents on earth, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are called to infiltrate. Everybody say infiltrate. All aspects of life. We're not called to conquer. But we're called to influence. Not to conquer. But to influence. All aspects of life. With the qualities of God's kingdom. That would mean social. That would mean bring 
the values of the kingdom of God with you into every social setting that you find yourself. That would mean recreational settings, and that would mean government. We get closer to the snake. Government. I've heard people say that the government is a failed system. The government is a godless system. And we should ignore it and not participate in it. I say they're wrong. Everything I've read to you this morning says they are wrong. It is clear from Scripture. or We're talking about involvement in governmental and civilian affairs. It is clear from Scripture. We, we read in Romans 4, there is no authority except from God. Did y'all, did y'all see that? There's no authority except from God. And then it says, and those that exist have been instituted by God. We don't want to believe that, but it's true. It's clear from the scripture that it is God who established the civil authorities and government so that we could enjoy the shalom of God in our earthly existence. It is God who established the society. It is God who established a way for us to live in harmony and peace, being governed. Work for the peace of the city, Jeremiah said. I want to tell you that that you infiltrate, you should and do infiltrate the marketplace. The market, the place of commerce. Well, that's not very spiritual. It's one of the most spiritual things you can do. Infiltrate the marketplace, your your vocation. Think about the the uh, the Proverbs woman in Proverbs thirty one. The the Proverbs woman that is held in high regard. No, we're not going to turn. You read it later. But it says that she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. I know today people who work are a rarity, but nonetheless, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. What else does it say about her? She also considers a field and buys it, buying and selling. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She's participating in the marketplace. And if that's, if that's, uh, if that isn't worldly enough for you, carnal enough, watch what it's, this says about her. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. I've heard people say, well, profit, that's, that's of the devil. People ought not make a profit. And I tell people all the time, I go to a place in Gallatin to eat sometimes. My wife gets so mad at me. Oh, she's watching. I don't said that. I, I tell, you know, they say $4.69 a meat and two. I tell that girl every time I go to the register, I said, you need to raise your prices. This, you're too cheap. I said, I want you to be in business the next time I come down here. There, was, there used to be a shoe store out in Hickory Hollow Mall. I don't remember the name of it, but I used to go up there and buy shoes, and, boy, they were just ridiculously cheap. And you, then you'd buy one and get one free. And I told them, I said, y'all need to raise your prices. Y'all need to quit all this nonsense. Well, I went back to buy some shoes. Guess what? They were out of business. 
She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. It is not wrong for you to make a profit in your business. Make, make a profit. As a matter of fact, think about the parable of the talents. Who got the most commendation? The guy who was given five and turned it into ten. He's the one that we got the common and got the one that buried. He got his too. Why? He, he turned a profit. As a matter of fact, the, Jesus says that the master says, why didn't you invest what I gave you and turn and collect interest? See, we, we think, oh, that's not, that's not kingdom. Yes, it is. Participate. The other thing we have to do, we need to do as Americans, as Tennesseans, is that we participate in the voting process. If you do not vote when it comes election time, you are less than a kingdom citizen. In your function, not in your birth and not in your residence. But you are not functioning as a kingdom citizen. It's our role in this earth, in this community that we live, in this state and this country in which we live. It is our role. It is our responsibility. It is our kingdom obligation to go to the poll and vote. Now, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'd like to. But I'll tell you this, if you'll go to this website, nothing happening right now, but you'll go to ivoters.com. Yeah, that one. Uh, when it is time to vote, you can put in your address, and they will find out all of your representatives, who they are, and they'll give you links to their web page. Then you find out who, what they say, who's supporting them. Uh, right now, you can go to that website and look at the platform of the different parties and make it. But when it comes election time... Vote. Another part of that is know and communicate with your representatives. Know, know and communicate with them. Uh, we're fortunate in this area anyway. We have some really godly representatives. Uh, and I don't know how many times I've shot Mark Pody a text message. Hey, we need to do this at the state house, and he'll shoot me a text back. You're right. I'm going to bring that up. Communicate. All you got to do is communicate. And they'll listen. Communicate. Know and communicate. If you don't do anything else but tell them that you're praying for them. I heard about a pastor this week, and I've known of this guy for years, but he, when he first became the pastor of the church, he called the mayor's office in the town that he's in, and he said, I want to, I want to talk to the mayor. And of course, they were all scared to death. Well, okay, what's he complaining about? What's going on? And the guy got on the phone, the mayor got on the phone, he said, what, what, what can I do for you? He said, nothing, I just want to pray for you. And he said, now he's working on his sixth mayor. <laughs> Every Wednesday, he calls the mayor's office and prays over the phone with him. It's okay. Do that. Do you know? Do you know who your representatives are? I have a. I was listening to a radio broadcast uh, from <clears throat> January the sixth. Some of the folks in the room were there. Um, this and this this guy who was a pastor was walking with some folks around. Uh, I don't know where they were, but somewhere around the Capitol. They weren't going in the Capitol. They weren't part of that group. 
And he and he asked that he, he's walking with someone that he would agree with on ninety nine percent of the issues, which is why they were there. But he asked this person, he said, Who is your who's your representative? House of Representatives. And the person named one of their senators. You know, that's your that's one of your senators. Well then he named the other senator. You know, every state only has two senators. Easy to remember them. He said, No, no. Who represents you in the House of Representatives in Congress? He had no idea. He's up here at the Capitol protesting, and he has no idea who his congressman is or congresswoman. Somebody going, oh, boy. I'm not asking you to tell me, but do you know who your, do you know who your two senators are in the state of Tennessee? Do you know who your representative is in, in the, in, do you know who your state representative is? Do you know who your state senator is? Do you know who's the mayor of the city in which you live? The council people, for those of you who live in, do you know who the, your county commissioner is where you live? And if the answer to any of those are no, please correct that. I communicate with our county commissioner. I say, hey, I see this happening. And why, when, you, when you take a break from putting up your Christmas lights, would you get see about this? <laughs> if you've never been to his Christmas lights on 109, you should go. But that's our county commissioner. Say, boy, you're getting carnal. No. No. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat from them, participate in the community, be a good citizen of the community, bring the kingdom of God into the community. Since God is the author of the governments, and God is the author and the founder of the civil authorities, does it not make sense to you that God's kingdom subjects should not be involved in that process? How about this? Run for office. I know you won't go out in the yard and get a sharp stick and job yourself in the eye and get it over with. I'm glad Kevin's here. I remember the day Kevin Mack came up to me and, and said, in here and said, Hey, I think about running for mayor. What was that? 2000, 2001? I'm thinking about running for mayor. I said, Hallelujah. Touchdown. He ran for mayor. He and the commission at the time hired Rob Shearer as the city manager. And you can thank them for providence or you can I don't know what else you don't you know. <laughs> there might not be a providence if it wasn't for Kevin Mack and Rob Shearer Mount Juliet Road was a little bitty two lane road look what it is today run for office I'd love it if some of you said I think I'm going to run for office you hear people complaining about these school boards? Well, somebody needs to run for the school board then. You don't like the way they voted? Run. Go run for that, that spot. What about local commissioners? Again, I think I've got a great county commissioner. You may not think you have one. And you might not. But run. Maybe somebody needs to run for a state representative. 
I'm not unhappy with the one I've got, but you might be. You hear what I'm saying? Terry Lynn used to be a part of this church, Terry Lynn Weaver. She didn't like what was going on in her district. She ran, and she'd been there many years, representing the kingdom of God in the, in the state house. Okay. If I didn't lose you then, I'm not going to. Uh, we got to do it, saints. We got to bring the kingdom of God to the city gates and the effect of the kingdom of God. But we cannot do it except that we keep our eye on the kingdom of heaven. Our eye on the values of the kingdom of heaven. I'll sum up with this. As we live in this world, we recognize that here we have no lasting city. Even though we are sojourners and exiles who call no place on earth our permanent home, we are also commanded to seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf. We are not to be of the world, but we are irreducibly in the world and sent deeper into the world as ambassadors and emissaries of Christ. We are to be transformed by the word instead of conformed to the world. We are to keep ourselves unstained from the world. And yet we must taste like salt and shine like light to a dark and rotting culture around us. In conclusion, we are citizens of a higher kingdom, participating in a lower, lesser kingdom as emissaries from that higher kingdom. We are dual citizens. Stand with me.